Welcome to the Pop Culture Federation Podcast. I'm your host, Mikey. I'm Matt. And hi, my name is Ron. So today is part two in the Star Wars anthology series, where we're going to discuss the original trilogy, the original Star Wars that the world was first exposed to, the best of the best, the cream of the crop, the Sultan of Salt. Isn't that the Sultan of Swing? The Sultan of Swing? The Sultan from, of Swa- I'm thinking of the, the thing that he said in Sandlot. Yeah, it was the Sultan the of Swat. Yeah, yeah, The Great Band Bean. The Great Vaderino! So, before we g- get into it, we did the prequels. Unfortunately. Now we're, yeah. And now we're doing arguably what shaped science fiction pop culture. I don't think Star Trek carried enough... Of Star Trek would have made it a kept kept in a niche, but Star Wars brought it into the spotlight. It created genres, inspired so many different things, and here we are. Yeah, changed movies, but we'll talk about that later. Later, I'm sure. it changed many people's lives, um, as we'll get into. But it it, it inspired fandoms, and it. it the countless things were spawned off Star Wars. Like, I, we weren't around for when the first one came out in 1977. But the stories that I hear of people who did see it for the first time were blown away. They're like, it was like something that you've never seen before. And compared to other movies that were out at the time. And if you did like science fiction, like you, you were exposed to Star Trek. And it was corny, campy kind of show. Um, I think... 2001 Space Odyssey came out before this? Yes. Yeah, in the 60s. I think 69. Um, Nice. And 2001 set a lot of of groundwork too, but when Star Wars came out, everybody was like blown away. It was like... My father-in-law was the one who I asked and talked about it because he was like an adult when it came out, and he said he saw it multiple times in the theaters... He goes, i never done that before. He goes, you could just sit there and watch all day. Because back then, theaters played movies just continuously. Hmm. So your one admission, you could just sit all day. Wow. Um, I, I know a lot of places would kick people out because the lines are just so long for Star Wars. That, But from where he was, he was just telling me, like, yeah, I would just sit there. So you could come in halfway through the movie. And then you stayed and then you saw the beginning up until the point where you came in. <laughs> So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, but... That'd be a weird way to watch it. What yeah. movie would be, like, the worst to come in in the middle to the end and then watch it at the beginning again? And just be like... Memento. Oh, y- yes. Psycho. Memento's a really good one, especially because you don't understand what the fuck's going on. Yes, I, I would agree. Yeah, that's a good one, Mike. Um, that was the first one that just popped in my head. I was like, yeah, Memento would be... Because like, the whole time in Memento, until you, until you get to the end, you're like, oh. <laughs> so now coming in halfway through, you're like, wait, what? You'd have to sit through it again and then wait and watch it one more whole time. <laughs> you're like, yeah. ah, now I get it. So your whole day is spent in the movie. But Memento is a podcast for another day. Mm-hmm. Today we're going to be talking about the original trilogy. So I'll start us off with the one that started it all. Star Wars... What would later be dubbed A New Hope, but originally was titled Star Wars. It was released in May 25th, 1977, directed and written by George Lucas, produced by Gary Kurtz. The original budget was $11 million. The box office gross total of all time, including all the re-releases, was $775.5 million. Goddamn. Wow. The original theatrical run... In North America, in 1977, 220 million dollars. In 2019 dollars, that would be 928 million dollars. Wow, I'm the, surprised the, it didn't wouldn't have cracked a billion. Oh wait, the world want that's the that's domestic. Oh uh, oh, 
worldwide box office gross was $410 million, which in 2019 dollars is $1.699 billion with a B. Oh my dollars. God. Jesus. The music is something that is very well known in Star Wars, and it was composed by John Williams, who went on later went on to do the other many of the other films. Um, his music is synonymous with the franchise and with the series, and Star Wars music is like no other. Um, I think for in terms of movie and cinema, it's right up there with Indiana Jones. Um, Which John Williams did. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's probably <laughs> why it's so good. Uh, Indiana Jones, um, uh, Superman, 1978. Which John Williams did. Did he do Superman too? <laughs> Are you trolling? Yeah, like, is this a well, joke right now, Mike? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was getting very worried. <laughs> so, the reason why these are so iconic, like, he was very, very good, and he went on to do many other films, but uh, the March of the Empire, even just a Star Wars theme, it's whenever you hear it, it's on many ringtones, uh, it's used in the backgrounds of many things, and it's, it's very, very iconic music. This movie starred Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, <gasps> Harrison Ford as Han Solo, <gasps> Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia, All right. Peter Cushing as Grand Moff Tarkin, Ooh. Alec Guinness as Obi-Wan Kenobi, or Ben Kenobi, and James Earl Jones did the voice of Darth Vader. Uh, Anthony Daniels played C-3PO, Kenny Baker, R2-D2, and Peter, Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca. Uh, many of these actors would later reprise their roles in the other movies, as well as some of the sequel trilogy movies that came out within this past decade. So, the plot. Uh, it is called a space opera. There's no singing involved, though. No, none at all. I hate that. I hate that they call it a space opera and there's no singing. It's like, deliver or don't. I hate it. <laughs> Imagine going into the theater being like, oh, honey, it's time to go to the space opera. <laughs> See, exactly. And then just being utterly disappointed. This movie alone could be several episodes of the podcast by itself, just because of how much went into it. The plot covers a lot of tropes. Um, you have Luke. Spoilers, but I mean, everybody has seen Star Wars, so if you haven't, turn this off right now go watch it you're in quarantine you have no other excuse <laughs> it's one of the top 10 films of all time yes absolutely it's on most people's top 10s list who like science fiction um mark so luke skywalker it, it starts out where he is just a a nobody on a farm who ends up meeting obi-wan kenobi uh who is a jedi knight which would go on to be a staple in the franchise from the in the prequels and in the sequels and it's all of star wars lore it's become a religion in real life uh in some countries it's legally recognized as a religion uh and it's follows something called the force which is i guess a an energy like almost like karma on steroids that can you can manipulate to do things for you um sure luke sky yeah pretty much <laughs> uh we don't we want to ignore what the prequel trilogy kind of summarized it as but i digress luke goes on an adventure with obi-wan to save the princess a very classic cliche kind of story uh along the way he meets han solo they go on a space adventure to meet not to meet to uh, throughout this time the big bad villain is darth vader he is a almost like very synonymous with the Black Knight in medieval kind of lures and mythology. He's an all black with a deep, deep voice uh, and a very, very uh, mechanical breathing. And they rescue the princess and then they end up having to destroy the castle, which is the equivalent of the Death Star, which is the Death Star, which is a space station the size of a small moon that can blow up planets. That's no moon. That's a space station. <laughs> I like the Liverpool accent there. Thank you. That is a very, very crude summary of the plot, but it's such a, it's such a good movie that still holds up to this day. Please, please, please go watch it if you haven't, and watch it again because it's just so good. 
Yeah, um, support the local indie filmmaker. <laughs> yes, please support the guy who made American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. Um, before I give my grade and ask you guys what you think of the movie, I just want I have a couple fun facts. Okay. okay. I have a lot of fun facts. Oh, baby. Um, Mark Hamill was chosen for the role of Luke Skywalker over William Catt, who was later starred in or starred in the Greatest American Hero series on television. Really? He was also the unfortunate prom date in Carrie. Oh god. You hate to see it. <laughs> Harrison Ford worked with Lucas prior to this on American Graffiti. Do you know how he was cast in American Graffiti? I don't tell us. So he was originally a carpenter for the film, and George Lucas just, like, he wasn't an actor originally, but Lucas, like, really dug his look, and they got started talking, and Lucas was just like, hey, do you want to, like, act? And so he gave him the iconic role in American Graffiti, and, you know, the rest is history. Harrison Ford is one of the most iconic actors in American film, because he's Han Solo, he's Indiana Jones... He's, he's like Jack Ryan. Yeah, Jack Ryan. He's president that pushes a dude off of a motherfucking plane. Like get off. He's firewall. (laughs) He's the dude in Ender's Game. (laughs) So Harrison Ford was chosen over the role of Han Solo over the following actors: Kurt Russell, Sylvester Stallone, Bill Murray, Christopher Walken. Burt Reynolds, Jack Nicholson, Al Pacino, Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, and Perry King. The only actor I'm interested is Burt Reynolds as Han Solo. And I'm not even joking. Like, I, th- I would have said Kurt Russell. Yeah, See, I, w- him- I would have gone with Chevy Chase. Because he kind of has that like same sort of snark that Harrison Ford does. Yeah, but I mean, like he doesn't have the sex appeal like Burt Reynolds does. Not now he doesn't, but back then. But Kurt Russell was Snake Plissken. Yeah, and Burt Reynolds was Smokey. And the Bandit. (laughs) (laughs) Which is an incredible movie, by the way. Like, (laughs) that movie's really good. Jodie Foster auditioned for the role of Princess Leia. Really? Uh, Yep. Yeah, she did. Uh, I be- uh, she was quite young because the year before that she was in Taxi Driver where she played an underage prostitute. Yeah, I <laughs> the first like Jodie Foster movie I can like remember seeing is Silence of the Lambs, and I remember her being twenty something, and that was like nineteen ninety one. Yep, uh, I guess because Princess Leia was supposed to be. I mean, they're supposed to be like their young teens. Well, Carrie Fisher was pretty young during the filming of. A New Hope. Which I didn't realize, yeah. Yeah, she was like 19, I think? Yeah, I thought she was in like her mid-20s, but no, yeah, she was like 19 or 20, yeah. So, Jodie Foster was born in 1962, so in 1977 or 1976, she would have been 15. 15. Yep. Wow. I mean, somebody could have edited the Wikipedia and put falsified information, but we'll go with it. Orson Welles was considered for the voice of Vader. But they felt that his voice was too uh, iconic and people would recognize it. Mm. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. So they ended up picking another dude's voice who's iconic. <laughs> and... I think it became iconic after the fact, though. No. Because he didn't do the oh. Bell Atlantic commercials till after. Yeah. He definitely, his voice became iconic because of Vader. Right. James Earl Jones we're talking about, of course. And James Earl Jones became iconic because of the Sandlot. I mean, but that was and, in the '90s. He and Bell Atlantic. <laughs> I mean, I remember uh, I, the movie. The only movie I know that I've seen before Star Wars that he was in was um, Doctor Strangelove, and how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. You saw Doctor Strangelove before Star Wars? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I know Doctor Strangelove came out before Star Wars. Oh, oh okay. I was I've never say, seen Jesus, Doctor dude. That's a deep cut for like a. For like a four-year-old. <laughs> no, I um, no, I saw Star Wars first. I didn't see Doctor Strange until I was in my twenties. Oh, okay. All right, we're gonna show you all of the 
culturally significant <laughs> films. First, we're going to start with 2001 A Space Odyssey. And then, all right, four-year-old Mike... <laughs> <laughs> Next, we're gonna teach you about nuclear holocaust. <laughs> hey, listen, I-, I was always told as a kid to be afraid of the communists because one day they're gonna come back and nuke us. So that's that's what I w- I grew up with. But wow, what a, a podcast! <laughs> I was day. told to be afraid of the boogeyman in Nightmare Before Christmas. So we've yeah, obviously was... had different childhoods. I was told to be afraid of the bomb. Well, Doctor Strange Love was perfect for you then. <laughs> I wasn't really told to be afraid of anything, but now I am terrified of taxes. <laughs> My wife and I are watching something, and uh, I said, "When you were little, were you afraid of the bomb? Are you afraid of the bomb now?" She goes, "No. Why would I be?" I was like, "I don't know. I grew up being afraid of the bomb, so <laughs> that's <Jesus>. why." <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> wow! What a healthy childhood. <laughs> yeah. That's a podcast for another day. Ah, uh, let's hope not. <laughs> the bomb. I mean, it's pop culture significant, right? Yeah, a little bit. The bomb? <laughs> no. George Lucas originally wanted the rights to Flash Gordon. When he didn't get it, he said, well, I'll just invent my own. <laughs> this is according to Francis Ford Coppola. Fuck it, I'll do it myself. Um... <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> originally instead of skywalker the name was going to be star killer so a lot of the working titles for the original star wars had something with star killer in the name like the adventures of star killer um star killer would later go on to be other characters in the expanded universe of star wars as well so the as name... the base in episode seven yes star killer base oh um i know that they've released a comic of like the original like the original screenplay where he was called like Starkiller and stuff. It's just really interesting. And like it features like the original designs of Darth oh, Vader cool. and that stuff. Is kind it's of really cool. cool. This is a big one. And Lucas wanted the rights to the toy line. Oh, and the merchandise line. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And instead of he foregoed his uh, apparently directors get a $500,000 director fee for, uh, I'm not sure what that entails, but he foregoed that so he can get the licensing and the sequel rights. The Fox studio at the time didn't think that this was going to be a big box office hit like it was. So they're like, yeah, sure. You can have that. Well, we could save some money. And <laughs> that turned out to be where he made most of his money. Yeah. That toy line, which... I think we'll talk about in the fourth installment of this podcast, like what Star Wars like led into after we talk about like the shows and stuff. Kenner had the toy was the first licensing, and there's a great episode on Netflix's "The Toys That Made Us" series about Star Wars, where they cover all of that and how that happened. So check that out if you haven't already. I heard I heard a story about how like they were so shocked that was such a big hit. Like, the Christmas that it was supposed to... Or, like, like the, the Christmas after it came out, they basically had, like, no toys in production. So kids would get, like, a piece of cardboard with, like, the Star Wars logo on it. And it would just be like, hey, when the toys are in stock, wow. you'll yes. get one. And, like, yeah, and, like, kids would, like, freak out over so a piece of cardboard. Watch, watch The Toys That Made Us on Netflix. It's a really good documentary series, but they do talk about that. And the other thing that they did, too, was they took other um, toys that they had and they just repackaged them with stickers that said Star Wars on it. Mm. (laughs) And that was the first Star Wars toys. And then you got that set and then you you had to wait until everything came in and then they mailed you some of the figures. But original inbox for some of these figures go for a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a dream of mine to own the like the Millennium Falcon carrying case where you could put all the other figurines in it. Like, that's uh, that's something... The original Kenner one? Yeah, that's something that I want if I'm ever a kajillionaire and I have money to blow. Because the, those aren't cheap. <laughs> I can't imagine why. Um, originally, Star Wars only opened in 32 theaters. But huge sellout. They had huge sellouts and then they later expanded into to more theaters. Um Steven Spielberg and George Lucas are friends, and they made a bet. 
if Star Wars or Close Encounters of the Third Kind was going to be a bigger box office hit, then the other would get 2.5% of the profits. <laughs> Steven Spielberg still receives profits to this day. At least until the Disney merger. Wow. Of A New Hope. Wait, so George bet him that Close Encounters would make more money? Yes, but Steven had more faith in a new than Star Wars. He, he goes, no, George, this is going to be a smash hit. And George is like, nah, I don't think so. And Steve's like, you're, he goes, your movie's a, a lot bigger budget. It's a lot um, a lot more into it. And then he goes, no, no, your movie's going to be a hit. And Steven Spielberg won. What a bizarre bet. Like, the Apparently opposite they, they're, of, old, they're friends. The opposite of betting on yourself. <laughs> to be fair, Close Encounters of, a, of the Third Kind is a really good movie. It is. It is. It's just not, you know, Star Wars, A New Hope. It's not Star yeah. Wars, yeah. <laughs> it's also a quite long movie. Yeah, it is. Um, here's a fun fact. Within three weeks of the film's release, the studio's stock price doubled. 20th Century oh, Fox? Shit. Yep. Wow. Star Wars was re-released in 1978, 1979, 1981, and 1982. The subtitle, Episode 4, A New Hope, was added in 1981, and then the special editions came out in 1997. Holla. So, right then and there in 1981, we knew that there was going to be, at some point, a 1, 2, and 3. We just didn't know when it was, was coming. Wow. Or, no. Yeah. This was the highest-grossing film of all time until E.T. released in 1983. And then adjusting for inflation, this is the second highest grossing film of all time behind Gone with the Wind. Yeah, um, nothing's beating Gone nothing with the Wind. Will e- no, nothing will ever beat Gone with the Wind. That's $3 billion. With a B. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I think Gone with the Wind's like adjusted inflation number is like three and a half, like $3 billion. Yeah, it's like, a lot. <laughs> I think it's crazy um, the fact that E.T. beat it for highest grossing film of all time. Like, I know E.T. is, like, a really great movie. It's just such a random movie, you know? Hey, hey, man, when you got, when you got like, a crazy, wacky space adventure, like, set on Earth, and it's a, a movie that kids can go to, like, kids' movies, underratedly, make a stupid oh, yeah. amount of money. I don't think it's... Especially in the 80s. I don't think it's an underrated thing. I think it's very well known that kids' movies make money. Yeah, well, it's a very well-known thing that kids' movies make well, I don't money know. At. I think it's pretty underrated, if you ask me, Ron. I would agree with you. Roger Ebert, in 1977, called this, a uh, quotes, an out-of-body experience, this movie, which I've heard many people say. It's unbelievable. Um, this movie won, an Aca- won Academy Awards for Best Film Editing, Best Original Score, Best Production Design, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Visual Effects. It was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actor for Alec Guinness. Do you know the movie that it lost to for Best Picture? I was actually looking that up today because I wanted to watch all the Best Picture movies. And I did it with Annie Hall. Oh, wow. I'd say that's... I'd say that's decent. <laughs> I think that's fair. So the the, the huh. movies that were nominated in for the 1977, for the 50th Academy Awards are Annie Hall, Goodbye Girl, Julia, Star Wars, and The Turning Point. I've only heard of two of them. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> the, year, the year before that was Rocky, All the President's Men, Bound for Glory, Network, and Taxi Driver. Wow. That's a, that's that... a murder's row of movies. So... Fun fact about Star Wars for me. The first time I ever saw any Star Wars movie was in the theater. The first time I watched A New Hope was in 1997 for the, spe- for the special edition release. And then every uh, couple weeks after was Empire and then Return. And that was the first time I ever watched them. And then subsequently the prequels and the sequel trilogy I saw for the first time in theaters. I don't remember watching A New Hope. That's how young I was the first time I saw it. I remember where I was when I watched Empire for the first time and where I watched Return of the Jedi for the first time. But A New Hope, I cannot tell you when it happened. I saw them all in the same theater. Or same movie theater. I don't know if it's the same screen, but... Please tell me it's the old Amboy Cinemas. 
Yep. Oh my god, I love that place. So did I. So yeah, this movie, um, I'm gonna give it a grade of an A plus. I think for what it did for pop culture, um, I think it re it, it created a whole subgenre or it exploded a whole subgenre of pop culture. So many things spawned off because of this movie. Uh, Non-Star Wars related and Star Wars related. Um, There's aisles in bookstores dedicated to Star Wars. There's countless video games, TV shows, uh, comic books, you name it. Toys, conventions, so many things dedicated to it. Star Wars is a big, big piece of geek geekdom nerd pop culture so much so that i think it transcends that and it goes into the mainstream um everybody and their mother knows what star wars is or they've heard of it uh most people have seen this movie at some point in their lives it is one of those movies that everybody must see before the day have to it is definitely in the pinnacle of cultural touchstone Mm mm-hmm I'm also going to give this movie an A+, um, for a lot of the reasons that you said, Mike. Um, it's one of the most culturally influential movies of all time. It made the modern summer blockbuster with that and Jaws. Like those two, If it weren't for those two movies, then movies as we know them today would be completely different. But aside from that, it and it actually is like a great movie. It's a movie that brings like a family together. Where, like, kids, like, everyone, almost everyone has a story about watching this movie for the first time. Like, where they were, who they were with. And then you talk about older generations, and they can talk about, like, seeing this for the, in the theater and whatnot. And, like, I want to know if you guys think that there will ever be another movie where people were genuinely, like, floored by it. Like, I think the closest that we can think of for, like, our generation is, like, Avatar or something. Where, like, the visual effects, like, changed movies forever. Like... See, I was gonna say The Avengers, but... Yeah, I would say The Avengers. But do you... But do you think that The Avengers, like, changed Hollywood? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Without doubt. Without question. Okay. Um... I would go to a slightly lesser extent and say Jurassic Park and Toy Story had a pretty significant, at least in the sense for like the special effects and imagination for both of them. And then Toy Story showed what CGI animation movies could really do. And that spawned the whole thing. But I think besides Star Wars, I think next is honestly the... Avengers, even Superman and the Batmans, they they have their own uh, place. But Avengers, what is uh, Avengers brought superheroes into mainstream, like Star Wars did with science fiction. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I think there are like there are movies that imp- that are important to the genre itself, and some of them like supersede the genre and like get into the mainstream of pop culture and definitely Jurassic Park. And I, I'm definitely thinking of the scene where like, you know, it's raining and the, the Jeeps are like flipped over. And when the, when the T-Rex yells, I think that just kind of changed the entire movie game because it's like, Oh shit, this thing is completely realistic and it's also (laughs) computer generated. So I think that kind of changed things, but the Avengers, like, you know, um, it just completely changed Hollywood and the way that Hollywood views things. There's no more small movies anymore, for the most part. Everything is like this big budget. We're trying to create a cinematic universe out of everything now. So, so Avengers so, ruined Hollywood is what you're saying. Kind of, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I I really... It, the Avengers is genuinely one of my favorite movies of all time simply because... I don't know if I'll ever be able to replicate the feeling that I had watching it for the first time and the crowd reaction. But yeah, no, the Avengers kind of in a way destroyed Hollywood. Like, cause the day after it happened, everyone like, you know, like 
Universal and DC, like all these like major companies were just like, oh man, well, you know, if you're not in the cinematic universe game, you're not doing anything. So they also showed, and I know this is a Star Wars podcast, but this is um, they also showed that you can sh- you can have episodic movies and have them be successful, which previously that was reserved for seasons on a television show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Star Wars kind of did that too, but Avengers, Star Wars took uh, uh, at the time, I guess, a six movie series and told a big story which i think star wars was probably the first one to do that and then no (laughs) outside of the trilogy like more than a trilogy godfather Um, godfather was a trilogy i'm talking about when star wars did the prequels and the original well they told they told a long story well in six movies different stories I, i mean it was it's really the saga of anakin skywalker fair the Bowery Boys had like forty some movies with like I mean multiple Jim. characters and multiple people. So yeah. Abbott and Costello visit Frankenstein. Abbott and Costello go to the deli. Abbott and Costello take a dump. <laughs> <laughs> James Bond also kind of, well. James Bond actually was standalone, but Avengers was. I don't know, that's safe for another one. Avengers sometimes, but Star Wars is the saga of Anakin Skywalker. And the Skywalker family, really. Or it was until... Well, I don't know what's coming next, but... Mm-hmm. Save it. Anyway, f- following Star Wars New Hope... Well, Ron, take us there, Ron, what do you think of A New Hope? Oh, that's right, Ron, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, it's an A- because I can't... It's not bad enough to be a B+, but the beginning part is so slow, I can't really give it an A. So I'm just going to give it an A-. minus. I know, like, we try not to do minuses, but I'm a rule breaker. So I don't care. A-. minus. So with the curve, it's an A. Sure, why not? All right, Ron, take us to the sequel. The sequel! Originally called The Empire Strikes Back. Then, in 1981, renamed Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back is a 1980 film directed by Irvin Kirshner. And, God, this film kind of changed the film landscape again. Although... Again, for the second time. <laughs> again, for the second time. Although, not initially. Um, do you want me to go plot first, or do you want me to talk about the movie? No, I'm going to talk about like the, the plot first, and then we'll like do a little bit of a dive. So, the plot of the movie is, and I'm reading this off of IMDb, uh, the story of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, and others did not end with the destruction of the Death Star. It continues in this movie. Imperial forces have since driven the rebels to hide in the ice world of Hoth. But even on such an icy backwater world, they cannot escape the evil Darth Vader's eyes for long. And he devastates the rebel base in an assault with an Imperial AT-AT walker. Luke flees to Dagobah to begin Jedi training with Master Yoda. (laughs) While while Han Solo, Chewbacca, Princess Leia, and C-3PO run the blockade of Imperial Star Destroyers in the Millennium Falcon. The Imperials pursue them across the galaxy and eventually catch up with them on Bespin. Now Darth Vader plans to use them as bait to lure Luke Skywalker to him and turns Han Solo over to Boba Fett as a prize to be delivered to the crime lord Jabba the Hutt. Luke learns a terrible family secret after losing a sword fight with the Dark Lord. Will he and the others escape the Empire's clutches? Wait, he fought Lord Voldemort? Lord Lord Vader. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, um, surprisingly, initially, this movie was kind of... It kind of got the reception, sort of, of Episode Eight, um, The Last Jedi. A lot of people were like, wow, this is really, really good. And then a lot of other people were just like, I kind of don't get it. It was a decent movie, but there's no really beginning or end to it. And George Lucas just kind of did some interviews and was like, yeah, that's the point. We're making another one to finish it. (laughs) So, initially the box office, because of, like, 
how weird it was. And, like, the whole thing about, like, you know, I am your father, like, Luke, I am your father, kind of, it sort of divided audiences a bit. And initially, on, like, its initial run, it only, I say only, it's probably, like, you know, $500 million in today's money, made $181 million in the U.S. and Canada. Of course, it, like, got re-released and it made more, and now it's up to uh, over $500 million, like, just under uh, $550. But, like, yeah, initially, Empire Strikes Back kind of had some backlash over the years and after episode six was released it was looked at better and now it's considered one of if not the best sequel movie ever made probably like that and the godfather part two and mighty ducks too yeah and so (laughs) yeah so empire is just like you know it's kind of the movie pretty much if you're listening to this everyone knows empire everyone knows luke i am your father and for me i probably use the phrase search your feelings you know it to be true far too often because that's just great because luke's just sitting there you know one hand and he's just kind of like no it's impossible and then darth vader's like nah (laughs) nah homie you know you know yeah you know it. Search your feelings, bro. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's it. Can I can I say my fun fact? Please. <laughs> I already know this. <laughs> so I only have one fun fact because basically, like most Star Wars fans, like know everything about Star Wars. But the fun fact that I learned today, because it's the only fact that, like, while trying to like find things and on the IMBD page, I didn't know was. Originally, <laughs> Yoda's name was Mitch. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> and that's why, like, when I was going over the plot, like, when I came to Yoda, I started to laugh. Yoda's name was originally supposed to be Minch. Like, can you just can you just picture that? I don't know. I just... Master Minch. Master Teach Minch. me guidance. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah. Empire. Oh, man. Empire went from like a oh man I guess I kind of like that movie to this is probably one of the best movies ever made definitely seen as the best Star okay I wouldn't say definitely but most people would say it's the best Star Wars movie and since its release every single movie has been trying to live up to the greatness of this movie to mixed results and for better or worse and rewatching it i kind of didn't realize how many callbacks episode eight had to empire it, it kind of surprised me to be to be honest yep what did yeah it did it what did well i guess what do you think of what grade would you give it ron then i would give empire an a just because it is it is so good it is the what the thing that struck me watching it was just how nice it looks. Like it's just a really good looking film, mm-hmm. and it just yeah, like everything in it is really great. This, the one thing that is like off putting, but then again, they probably didn't realize that they were doing it like while they were writing and shooting it was like Luke and Leia kissing, but that's like that's besides the point. One of the biggest but, plot holes in. Cinema history. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, Empire is definitely at least an A for me. And uh, Matt, what would you grade it? Uh, I would grade it an A plus again. <laughs> uh, it's definitely... it. It's crazy to think that these two movies are just so well done. And they're made by the same person. And it's also the same person who, you know, did the, orig- the prequel trilogy. Like, that's almost as surprising. Um, (laughs) But just having, like, you didn't really talk about the Vader revealing it to be Luke's father. Uh, That is probably the biggest twist in, I don't even want to call it, like, movie history, but just, like... Spoiler. 
it's not it's not a spoiler because everybody knows the line. Yeah, literally everyone knows yeah, Luke. I like am your everybody father. knew. Like I knew the line before I ever even saw the movie because my dad would be like, when I was seven years old, would be like, "Matt, clean your room," and I'd be like, "Why?" And he'd be like, "Because because Matt, I am your father." And it's just like, all right, I guess he's right. <laughs> uh, but so like I. I wish I was able to, because I'm such a fan of Star Wars, I wish I was able to be in the room, like, at my age and watch that reveal just to understand how significant it was. Because, like, as a five-year-old who, like, a five- or six-year-old who already knew what was coming, like, it's just like, oh, okay. (laughs) But, like, seeing that in theaters, I would have probably fallen out of my chair. Like, just be like, what? This isn't yeah, true. I... That's impossible. <laughs> Matt, I'll let you talk a little bit about, like, the audience reaction to it and how they kind of saved it. Or not saved it, how they, like, you know, told audiences, yeah, right. this is real in the sixth movie. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But, yeah, I'll give it an A+. It's it's really good. And I was I was watching it earlier today, and at one point, I just, like, because I was, like, on my computer doing research for all the other movies. And then at one point, I, like, just closed my laptop and was just watching it. And I've been watching that movie for, like, 20 years at this point. But, like, even then, I'm still finding, like, myself, like, just in awe of it. So, it's a very important movie for me. So, I'll give it an A+. What about you, Mike? So, I saw this one in the theaters first time. And was blown away by the Battle of Hoth. I thought the Adat Walkers were the coolest thing in the world. And I wanted that to go on longer. Battle Hoth um, is my favorite planet in all of Star Wars, by the way. I thought the scenes on Hoth were amazing. And in Shadows of the Empire, I love playing the Hoth levels. Um, that said, my grade for Empire... And I struggled with this one because in terms of a cinematic movie it's like a masterpiece but if I was going to go with the Norman culture and probably agree with the populace everybody says Empire is their favorite and they would give it an A plus I'm going to give it an A oh no because the sky is falling it's it's a great movie. I, I think there are some parts that drag a little bit. And I would... Not drag. I would say a little bit of boring compared to uh, M- A New Hope and then eventually what we get in Jedi. Um, but I think the beginning is fantastic. And I think the fight with, and the scenes with Vader at the end are fantastic. The the parts on Dagobah, the romance with Han and Leia, that the Han and Leia part, I was like, okay, I get it. You know, they're setting it up. It's probably the the best bridge movie in a trilogy ever, besides Godfather Part Two. Oh, again, Mighty Ducks Two, but no one seems to take me seriously. <clears throat> Is anyone even gonna mention the Avengers: Age of Ultron or Thor: The Dark World? Uh, well, we, we did talk about those in our earlier editions of the podcast. Please check them out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you watch pop, uh, podcasts. Pop Culture Federation. Um, but, uh, I, I give it an A. Um, it, again, the, the, the Luke, the, the father reveal is so iconic in pop culture and in cinema, pop culture too. It's something else. It's a fantastic movie. Um, I just think that a new hope brought it onto the world, and and Empire really like kept it going and carried it. Um, it's just Empire served as a lot of build up to get to eventually what we got in Jedi. So I think because of that, a lot of the if if it's like the meaty part of a very long book, and it's like all right, I kind of I got the beginning, it's great, I got the end, I got we got to flush out the details, and if you like that stuff, great. But I, I'm more of like the action wow pow in your face. So 
that's why I think the the Hoth part is some of the best part. Um, but anyway, it's an A. It's a fantastic movie. It's in my top movies, along with A New Hope and Jedi. So action! Wow! Pow! Yeah! <laughs> All right. So we got one more. All right. So the final movie of the original trilogy for Star Wars is Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. The release date for this movie was on May 25th, 1983. The budget of the film was just a tad over $23 million, with a United States box office of $309 million and the international box office uh, reaching over $475 million. It was directed by a man by Richard Marquand, who I looked at his IMDb page today, and I'm not even joking, I couldn't recognize anything else other than Jedi. Which I think is pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> and it was produced by, like, six people, and I don't want to name all those names, so I'm just going to say a bunch of people produced this movie. And the music is, of course, by the immortal John Williams. Um, something that I found interesting is the Rotten Tomato score for it was 82% for critics and 94% for the audience. Um, I found oh. the 94% an interesting number because everyone who talks about Jedi, um, they Jedi. either say that it's, it's like the, I don't want to say worse because it's, a bad word to describe it but out of the three movies it's probably the least popular i would say uh but 94 percent like having it be considered the the worst out of the three having a 94 percent audience <laughs> score is pretty impressive like mighty ducks 3 doesn't have a 94 percent audience score uh <laughs> shut the fuck <laughs> <laughs> i cracked myself up uh, and the cast is the usual suspects, except a man by the name of Tim Rose, who voices N acts as the immortal Admiral Akbar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap, baby. It's a trap, baby. Uh, so the plot of the movie is after escaping the Empire, Luke Leia Lando who we forgot to talk about in the last one, Lando, who was played by Billy D. Williams, um, and Chewbacca, they make a ploy to uh, rescue their friend Han Solo, who's still frozen in carbonite from Jabba's palace. At first, the plan goes awry, with Leia being caught and taken slave, and mm. Han Solo being taken out of carbonite, but eventually thrown in jail. Uh, Luke then comes around, force chokes a bunch of piggies, and then demands to set his friends free, gets thrown into a Rancor pit, uh, kills somebody's best friend, and boy, it's one of the most heart-wrenching <laughs> scenes in all of cinema, seeing a shirtless 300-pound man cry about a Rancor. Uh, he gets thrown into a Sarlacc pit, uh, Boba Fett has a Mimi death, uh, they then go off to... They split up. Uh, Luke goes to Dagobah and confronts his master Yoda uh, about having no figured out that Vader was his father and after ask after Luke asking Yoda if that's true Yoda admits to him that yes Vader is in fact Luke's father and they did that on purpose because after Empire when Vader initially revealed that he was Luke's dad, there was some skeptics around the world that was like, no, he's just making that up. So they intentionally put that scene in just to be like, see, audience, he's not lying. Let's just move on, please. So then, after that, Luke meets back up with the Rebel Alliance, to which they have found out that the Empire is in plans of building a second Death Star, with the Emperor personally overseeing it. So they make the big plan, they put their chips in the middle of the poker table going all in, saying this is the time that we have to break the Empire's back. 
Hell we, yeah. We must destroy the second Death Star. Um, so they lead a advanced party that features Luke, Leia, Chewbacca, and Han. Uh, when they arrive to Endor, Vader senses Luke's presence um, and goes down there and captures Luke and sends him up to the Emperor for him to face his Sith trial for him in order to join the Sith, but we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Uh, then a big space battle happens, a big lightsaber battle happens, a big land battle happens, there's a bunch of teddy bears beating the shit out of the Imperial Army, um, they inevitably win, uh, Luke saves his dad, Lando is sexy as fuck, blows up a Death Hell Star, yeah. and, um, a bunch of Ewoks eat a bunch of stormtroopers. The end. <laughs> a+. plus. And they all had sex to celebrate. <laughs> a plus movie. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. This I think it's I think it's the best dogfight in anything. Mm-hmm. I'll give you three fun facts really quick. Um, so it took six people to work the full size animatronic of Jabba the Hutt, which is just nuts. Um, Admiral Akbar's famous line: "It's a trap." was originally scripted as, It's a trick! The line was changed in post-production after a negative test oh. screening. And, probably the most important one out of all of them, following the success of Boba Fett appearing in comics and being a popular sporting character, George Lucas admitted that he had no idea that the character had become so popular. He had mentioned that if he had known, he would have given the bounty hunter a more memorable death scene. Lucas even even considered adding a shot of Boba Fett escaping the Sarlacc pit for the 2004 DVD release. Ultimately, he decided against it as he did not want viewers to be distracted from the intended storyline. So, George Lucas even admits that Boba Fett didn't make it out of the Sarlacc pit. You nerds, get over it. Nerds! Uh, but yeah. It's my favorite Star Wars movie. Well, yes, it is my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, I will admit, it's not the best made movie out of all of them. I think that Empire and Rogue One are better made movies out of all of them. But, uh, Jedi is... Rogue One again? Jesus. But, um, Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, so I'm, I mean, I'm incredibly biased throughout this whole series because they're, like, three of my favorite movies. So, um, I'm gonna give it an A+. Is it my turn? (laughs) Sure. I will give this movie a B. Ooh. Um, Whoa. I think it was, it was... I know it's your opinion, but come on. <laughs> I think it was like... It was okay. It was alright. Um, definitely not nearly as good as the first two, as my grade says. Um, yeah, th- a lot of it was just kind of... I feel like you could have trimmed out, like, a half an hour off this movie, and it still would have been fine. Like, me and Matt were watching it live together, and I was just like, yeah, so, like, why don't they just wrap this baby up in, like, you know, 20 minutes? And it had, like, 50 minutes to go. And I'm like, what? You could just do that right now. Like... (laughs) I felt I felt like Scott in the Austin Powers movie talking to Doctor Evil. Like I could just go get a gun right now and shoot them. <laughs> it's so funny because, like, right as the big battles, like all three battles are about to like pop off, Rod is like, "Man, there is still a half hour to this movie," and I'm like, "Hell yeah, there is! Let's fucking go." <laughs> um, the the stuff with Jabba, like at Jabba's palace, is like. It's okay. Definitely the stuff that they added in makes it worse. Like, a lot worse. Let's not talk about that. Um, yeah, overall the movie was okay. The best, like, literally, um, I could have just done with just, it's just a movie about Luke and Vader. Because, like, that was honestly the best stuff. And then Palpatine... And yeah, like that was it was just good. Uh Papa Palpatine. Uh just yeah. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was nearly as good as the other ones. And if you look back, I gave this a B and I gave episode three a B plus. So yeah, now you know what's better. 
if we were in quarantine, I would drive to your house and hit you with a <laughs> lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just that. Yeah, I think it, I think it's that. My fa- although this does include my favorite Star Wars moment in in, in entirety. So yeah. Matt, do you want to tell the people what my favorite Star Wars moment is? No, you do it. <laughs> my favorite my favorite moment out of all of the nine episodes, the two other movies, whatever, is at the very, very end when they're playing that really crappy music from the little... What, they're not Jawas, what the hell Ewoks. are they? Ewoks, yeah. And Lando Calrissian, one of the smoothest motherforkers... And the like entire galaxy, and he's just like standing there, swaying to the music, clapping off time, <laughs> and it's just, it's just great. I love that moment. <laughs> and then the movie ends. <laughs> That's the final. And then shot. you realize, and then you realize that they're all eating stormtrooper bodies. Yes, I yeah. love it. They feasted for weeks. <laughs> what about you, Mike? So, like you, this one is my favorite one. Uh, out of bias, I'm giving it an A+. Plus. Uh, you said it best. It is not the best made one. Uh, out of the original three, it's probably the... Uh, I wouldn't even go worst made one. Because they had great special effects, especially for 1983. Um, it is my favorite. I think it ended perfectly. Uh, it was a good redemption on the Anakin Skywalker arc. The the dogfight, the space battle, best space battle, best dogfight, I think, in anything I've ever seen. Um, and that's talking to an Independence Day mark. Um, <laughs> the the fight with Luke and Vader, the the Battle of Endor was great. Uh, I mean, people, people give it flack because the Ewoks, I'm like, you know, they were just the native species of the planet, and they're just like intelligent bears. They had to sell toys. <laughs> any, any, you gotta remember this, everybody. <laughs> they like, had to sell everybody, toys. everybody gotta remember this. In the 1980s, and even in the early 90s, everything that was targeted at any, even stuff that wasn't targeted to kids, was made to sell toys. Everything had toys. There was no reason a Freddy Krueger doll had to exist. But they had to sell toys. Because somebody thought it was a good idea. Toys made the studio and everybody money. So they had to appeal to everybody. Not just like young boys. They had to appeal to girls too. So they wanted to appeal to like little kids too. As well as 10 year olds and teenagers. So the, the Ewoks served that purpose. You had to sell toys. There was Ewoks cartoon that came out in the eighties. Holiday um, special. That was in the seventies. Still, yeah, stupid. It still had the Ewoks in it, didn't it? No. Oh, it was. It had Chewbacca's wife. Oh my god. That was the Wookiees. God, are I you am, even a Star Wars? I fan? am blowing it. Well, I'm not as big of a Star Wars fan as Ron, which was made parent today. Yeah, man, I am the biggest Star Wars fan out there. That's why I don't mind the Ewoks. Like, I get it. But it was just so... It, the the part with Jabba... Jabba's probably went on a little too long. Okay. But then after that, it just gets going. And it's... Even still, the, the Rancor fight was great. The scenes at the barge, when, when R2-D2 throws Luke's saber in the air and he catches it. It's like, yeah. Alright. Fuck, Fuck yeah, yeah, we're going. We're popping off. Um, I'm gonna kick a dude in the face. Not really. <laughs> Uh, and then, so, it, I think Jedi just really, like, summed it up, and the very, the Empire bridged it so well to end the way it did in Jedi. That's why I'm giving it an A+. I think it ends very, very well. It ends better than the sequel trilogy ended, it ends better than the prequel trilogy ended. Uh, it ends better than most trilogies end, and actually it ends better than all trilogies end. Again, no love for Mighty Ducks three. They perfectly tie up every loose end. You you know that's not true. Uh, to, to, to watch the three movies of Mighty Ducks and then get back to me. 
hey man, Av- <laughs> Avengers Infinity War perfectly wraps up the story of the Avengers. Everyone dies. <laughs> <laughs> if it faded to black afterwards and everybody did, then yeah, it would have, but it didn't. So, um, I think Endgame and Avengers is probably second to this. But it's not a trilogy, it's a quadrilogy. Right, exactly. That sounds like a stupid rapper name from, like, 2006. Quadrilogy. Yo, my name is Quadrilogy. I'm from the A-Town. Just to be fair, I don't know if that's actually the term. <laughs> but tell me, like, you as a, as a kid didn't reenact the Battle of Endor at some point when you were playing outside. Hell, I still do it. I was just running around in my backyard the other day, just like swinging from the vines and just like trying to kill ATATs or ATSTs. Man, what a life I live! <laughs> so th- that's my take on Jedi. I, I think Jedi, it- it's just something else. It-, it the whole trilogy. I think this is some of the best movies ever made. They hold a special place to me. And I think that they have their place in cinema pop culture, in regular pop culture. And I think that they are very, very important to just anybody who loves movies. Um, And then if you want to know, I mean, I can't describe, it's just so hard to describe, like, the, the, the market that these movies made. Like, I don't... Like, George Lucas really, really... Really did something. Like, he created... Like, a lot of people strive for their whole lives to create something. And to leave a mark. And to, and to like, make such an impact on just people in the world and society. And, like, he did it. Like, he's one of the few people... Like, Walt Disney's another one. Uh, Bill Gates is another one. Steve Jobs and Like, these people did it. But, like, George Lucas did it and this is something that we're we're approaching the 50 year anniversary in, in this decade um in a couple of years will be 50 years 50 years and everybody this is still more popular than it ever was i can't wait for this sweet so, merch to come out oh there's gonna be so many like collector stuff but if you like in 1977 when you look back 50 years before that you were just getting into the talkies and very few, if any, movies left the mark that are 100 years old. And it's just so... That's how important these are and, and what they created. And it, it for, for everybody, for so many people, a good... not I don't know what to call it a good movie, but a movie that kind of, sort of touches on that is Fanboys. I don't know if you've seen mm-hmm. it. But if you, it's a very good like friendship camaraderie kind of story. Um, but it's centered around Star Wars, and I know a lot of people have friendships. And I mean, shit, Kevin Smith's whole like career started on Clerks, and Clerks had how many Star Wars jokes or how many Star Wars references? It had in a it? whole monologue on contractors of the Death Star. Right, exactly, and they. So it's just so many things about this movies that that, that they did and. It all started here, so give them another watch. Um, I mean, I'm getting a Star Wars tattoo eventually. Same. Whenever we can leave the house. So I was going to for my birthday, and then quarantine happened, and now I'm never getting it. We can get matching ones. I'm getting a Rebels tattoo. Oh, so am I. Whoa. We'll talk after. <laughs> all right. So, any final thoughts on the Star Wars original trilogy before we wrap up? Uh, it's very good. Everyone should watch it. Wedge is overrated. Oh my god. <laughs> um, if I could just piggyback off of that, it's very good. Everyone should watch it. Boba Fett is really overrated. I agree. I absolutely agree. We're like the three people on Earth that think that. <laughs> In the movies, he doesn't do anything. He's just like, mmm... Yep. No, Look at how fucking special, sick though, he my armor is. And then he dies. So, so in the next installment, we're going to talk about the sequel trilogy. 
after Disney bought them, and we're gonna go from there. This so, that trilogy is going to be the most contentious. I can already feel it. Like the yeah. first six movies, we were pretty much in agreement with all of them. This next trilogy is going to be one where we're going to be yelling at each other. I could just feel it. <laughs> I feel like you guys are going to yell at me for my opinion on episode nine. We'll see. Probably. I think we're, we're going to have a heated battle about yes. that one. Possibly I think every movie, movie, I think all three of them, we're going to have an argument over. But anyway. So let us know your thoughts on Twitter at PopCultureFed and what you think of these movies and um give us your thoughts what's your favorite if any of these are your favorite or tell us you hate them and then you can get blocked <laughs> i like, like... it sure <laughs> <laughs> all right until next time may the force be with you and also with you mom bye matt says <laughs> jesus christ we are falling off the way. <laughs>